I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as falls and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to a very special episode of Nerd Alert. Uh, Not that kind of like very special, like we're not going to teach you a life lesson or uh, anything like that, Uh, but it's special because none of those usual jackasses are here this week, Uh, just me, Uh, I'm the only jackass here this week, Uh, but joining me for this special episode... Uh, we're going to be diving deep into the well of Marvel, uh, specifically Marvel's Disney Plus shows. Uh, if you didn't catch our first episode, God, like a month and a half ago, uh, scroll back and check it. We're talking uh, WandaVision. But uh, this week, me and my co-host, who I still haven't introduced yet, <laughs> he is uh, the Sam to my Bucky. He is the Superman to my Green Arrow. He is the voice that makes him moist, ladies and gentlemen, Mastodon Bacon. <laughs> hey, how's it going? How's it going? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining me again. It's good to be back. We don't get enough of you. Uh, and that's fine for not scheduling a show. Because I remember talking about, yeah, we'll do it when one division wraps up. And then we can speculate on Sam. And I think I was like two episodes in a Winter Soldier and and in Falcon, I was like, oh, crap, we forgot to do another show. <laughs> but it's okay, yeah, we're going to make up for it today. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start the show uh, briefly by wrapping up a couple of things about WandaVision. So our previous episode, I think we were on like episode five of WandaVision. So it hadn't finished up yet. We were very much in that, you know, speculation uh, Marvel fan going crazy, uh, checking out Wikipedia entries on obscure characters kind of mode. Uh, trying to figure out what was going on, what was happening. Now it's all wrapped up. So, uh, Don, what were your thoughts on WandaVision? Uh, I, you know, just in general, I thought it was just an absolute great ride. Um, I think taking two characters that we'd been introduced to in the MCU, but hadn't, you know, they obviously they hadn't had their own screen time. I thought it was just a great exploration. It was a great exploration of like grief for a character. Um, I thought they did a great job. I mean, I, I, I think I played Agatha all along on like all of my morning playlists <laughs> for like a good month or two. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was excellent. I really did. Um, it was a great exploration. It was one of those, it was like a limited comic book series that, you know, the, the person that you're at the checkout counter is just like, look, this is really good. You should check it out. Um, and I thought WandaVision was exactly that as far as the MCU goes. It's something that I'm 
if I had felt like I'd had the option, maybe if we weren't in lockdown, I wouldn't have like binge watched it, you know, or been waiting every Friday morning. And instead, um, I'm glad that I really did. I'm glad that I did. Yeah, I think in hindsight, because um, it was not originally supposed to be the first uh, Marvel DC, uh, sorry, Marvel Disney Plus show. Uh, the first one was supposed to be Falcon Winter Soldier. And I think it, it turned out better that this was the first one because I feel like WandaVision um, could not have been done as a movie. I felt like it was a, a episodic TV show with an overarching plot. And and every episode teased you a little hint of, you know, there's more going on. Here's what might be going on. Like, it, it hooked you and kept you coming back. And I think it was a great example of here's what Marvel on TV can be. Yes. And, and that's not to say Falcon Winter Soldier is bad. We'll get into that plenty uh, during this episode. Um, but it, that very much felt more like here's a Marvel movie stretched over six hours. Right. Now, not that that's yes. a bad thing by any means, but that felt much more cinematic. And I felt WandaVision was much more uh, TV. And yes. yeah, I think that was a great way to start it out. Um, I also have to give them major props for using retcons properly because uh, we got a retcon of the origin of Wanda, yet it did not contradict anything that came before and it did not cause any plot holes. So mm-hmm. good job, Marvel, because <laughs> that's really easy to screw up and a lot of yes. people do it. Yeah. Um, the whole tweak of the reason the bomb never went off was because one is a witch and she can, you know, manipulate probability with that chaos magic. Um, the reason she thinks the stone gave her powers is because the, the infinity stone she was in contact with sort of like supercharged her powers. Uh, like it was, it was, she was a witch all along. Uh, but they went back and, and you know, cause as soon as you say that the fans are going to be like, well, wait a minute. If we go back to blah, 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 you said this, and it was Marvel. Like, no, 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 we got you covered. And we spent a whole episode literally walking through her memories uh, of, of what we've been told. And I also love that they took the opportunity to show us her origin instead of telling us her origin, which is always yes. good. Um, it, it, it's like retcons are really easy and cheap and convenient a lot of the time. But this one was one done correctly, like done right. Um, so props to them on that. Um, all right, that's enough talking positive about this. Let's get into the negative because that's what people are here. Um, <laughs> when the show finally concluded, I know a lot of people were disappointed um, for various reasons, all of which, or most of which I should say, can boil down to two reasons. And the first one is my fan theory didn't turn out to be true. Yeah. Mephisto didn't show up. It wasn't the mailman or the uh, crazy head of the PTA lady. Okay. Why is it the show's fault? Did the show ever tell you Mephisto was going to be there? Or did you bring that baggage to to yourself when you sat down to watch that show? Uh, So many people were butthurt over their weird theory not coming true. And uh, people had kind of had to check themselves a little bit. Uh, Like, hey, hey your fanboy privilege is showing like the show didn't owe you uh i mean some of the theories were freaking ridiculous like oh it's gonna be franklin richards and i'm like where are you getting this from right (laughs) it's gonna be dr doom who the hell said doom like there were so many wild fan theories and i I think what it boils down to is we're so used to speculating on marvel yeah. Uh, like every a movie comes out and we all kind of like, oh well they could do this or they could do that, or I wonder if this ties into the you know, like 
<clears throat> we spent 10 plus years sort of speculating on what Marvel was doing, and we had no Marvel to speculate on for a year. So I think everyone just sort of like dogpiled on to WandaVision. Marvel also does this thing, you know, um, you know, a, a lot of times when you watch a trailer, you can kind of Occam's razor your way through the plot, right? Like you see the trailer and you're like, okay, what's the most logical reason that they're fighting here? What's the most logical reason they showed me this? And you can kind of like figure out, you can kind of like place together a plot, right? Like you can just go, okay, what's the simplest explanation? And like what Marvel did uh, during those in-game trailers where they showed us all this stuff that didn't happen. Yeah. It just, it, it, it put, it put at least for me, it just put all of this like, you might even show me something that's just a complete red herring, a complete misdirect. Um, and so as much as I'd like to see Mephisto and think we're going to go in this direction, I don't know, which is which is wonderful to me. Uh, yeah, there's that infamous shot from Infinity War of a bunch of Avengers and Hulk lined up together. Infinity they're you know, running heroically, and that never happens in the movie. <clears throat> like, um, yeah. There's that one. There's... Is it in the Infinity War trailer or is it in Spider-Man Homecoming where it's like Peter and um, – or Spider-Man and Iron Man are like flying through New York and like that never happens in the movie. They did it a few – like I just remember they did it in a few different trailers. I can find that one because I just watched a video on this like a, a couple of weeks ago. Um I want to say that was the trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming. It has the scene of like Iron Man flies by and, and Spidey's like webbed onto him, if I'm yes. remembering correctly. Yes, and it doesn't happen in the movie. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I don't no, know. well, we had to get those two in the same shot to put butts in seats. Like, no, like, I give Marvel infinite credit. Like, they, they kind of took a page out of um, um, paranormal activities playbook but those movies would literally shoot scenes that had nothing to do with the story just to put them in the trailer because they yeah. wanted to pee pee, keep people off guard about what the story was uh marvel's sort of gotten to that level like they literally went in and in in posters and in, in scenes in the trailers for endgame digitally edited out which stones thanos had at what point in the film to keep yeah. people off um like they're not dumb they know what they're doing <laughs> As far as they, keeping, good. Uh, yeah, they took the stones. I just remember that they took the stones out of uh, the gauntlet when he's fighting Cap. In that, like, mm-hmm. there's a still of it. I still remember because I was like, "Oh, well, Cap can win. He's only got two of the stones." I remember, <laughs> I remember that like very distinctly. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. That is the most Captain America fanboy comment. <laughs> he can win. Thanos only has two Infinity Stones. <laughs> Oh man, you have no idea how many times I've watched Captain America pick up Mjolnir. And... <laughs> oh man, sorry, that I got us part, off track. Okay, that, that part irks me, but that's a whole different topic for a whole different show. Um, uh, okay, there is one thing with WandaVision. Now that I've just condemned fanboys and fangirls for bringing in their own baggage and, and making wild speculation and then getting upset when that wild speculation doesn't come true, uh, I'm wagging my finger at you for doing that, and now I'm going to offer you some crumbs because there's one part of WandaVision that last episode been a good that turned out to be, like you said, Don, a giant red herring, and once again, fans had the, pull, the rug abruptly pulled out from under us. Uh, and that is the boner failure, uh, the recasting of Pietro, quote unquote. Um, so we all 
collectively gasped and then lost our minds when uh, the the X-Men version of Quicksilver showed up in a Marvel show. And we knew, you know, the, the, yeah, Disney owns Fox now, so technically they own all those characters and whatnot. And, like, you know, we, we knew all the behind-the-scenes legal wrangling stuff. But to see an X-Men character walk into an MCU show as that character and just act like he's been there the whole time, it was huge for us fans. It was like, oh, my God, are we doing this? Uh, are we going there? Is it peanut butter getting in my chocolate? What's happening? And then, <laughs> in the last episode, the, the, we we went hard on. Oh man, is, is could this be how they bring the the mutants and X Men into the MCU? And is, is it is it Wanda shuffling with reality? And they they mentioned at one point someone says the word Nexus, and we we're like, oh, the Nexus, because in in the comics there's the thing where all possible realities like merge at this one point. Uh, and by that I mean we all went to Google to look it up. Um, because that's the other thing I love about these shows is all the weird fanboy flexing of like, yeah, I knew that. Like, no, you didn't. Shut up. Um, that was from like an obscure comic in '85. You weren't alive yet. Shut up. Sorry. Um, different, different, different tangent. Sorry. But in the last episode, it was revealed that this version of Pietro uh, is not, in fact, Pietro from the X Men universe. He's Ralph Boner. No, <laughs> now if they decide that later this is the Pietro from the <laughs> the Fox universe, and he's decided his alias is Ralph Boner, I'm so fine with it. <laughs> okay, I can kind of see that. <laughs> oh, uh, no, it's, it's like I think I see what they were going for, which is we finally met Ralph, who you know Agatha keeps talking about Ralph. And now we finally met Ralph. I'm like, okay, fine. But like, here's 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 what pisses me off, and here's where I get fans. Uh, and, and I think with, with this particular uh, situation, some degree of, of frustration uh, is is justified because Marvel, as producers, you don't cast that actor in this role in this project and not expect fans to jump to that conclusion. Right. Like you knew exactly what you were doing. Uh, and then, I mean, to me, this is almost like uh, Iron Man 3 Mandarin level of pulling the rug out from under you, yes. a bait and switch, yes. um, where you're completely justified in your anger and justified in your speculation of what this character is, because that's what we were told this character was. And then right. you told us, oh, no, never mind. Uh, yeah, it's... it. It it tainted the ending of WandaVision, which otherwise was really great. You know, we get to see Wanda in her actual Scarlet Witch outfit, and it's badass, and they call her Scarlet Witch finally. And you know, it, it's by all intents and purposes, it was a great finale. You know, uh, Vision and White Vision sort of you know touching and connecting and, and flying off, and a lot of cool seeds planted for future stories. But this one is definitely a sticking point. Of no, you guys fucked that up. Uh, you were clearly messing with fans the whole time, and not in a fun way. You know. When when um, uh, shit, the actor who plays Vision, um, Paul something, Paul, right? Paul Bettany, right? Yeah. When Paul Bettany goes on TV and talks about the surprise cameo in the final episodes and an actor he's always wanted to work with, and it turns out to be himself, himself. that's funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's a funny troll. Okay, we're in on the joke. We get it. Oh, Paul, you 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 how and all the that's fun. Okay. <laughs> 
X-Men Pietro shows up and nope, he's really Ralph Boner. No, no, screw you guys. Really? Well, even if it was, if they had given us just, you know, you, your chaos magic, I don't know, conjured a version of what this person looks like. Like, I, I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, even if you don't connect those two universes, you don't have to bring all of these people over or anything like that. Just give me the facts that I know what I'm looking at, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know what's going on here. And we, then we can all wink and we can never talk about it again, you know? Yeah. Uh, it it would have been like a, a, a Deadpool-esque, you know, wink to, hey, yep, they're they're here. They, you know, they exist in their own little side. You know, when uh, uh, it's Deadpool 2, when there's the, he's walking through the X-Mansion and then there's just all the X-Men in one room. And then like, I think it's Beast just gets up and like closes the door. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're here. We're not going to show up again, but hey, we're here. Uh, something like that, yeah, would, would have been nice. But uh, no, I, I, otherwise, I think WandaVision was great, and like I said, planted lots of seeds for future stories, which is what Marvel's great at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the thing I, you said at the top of the show that I want to hit on again is I think what was awesome about it is it took two characters who, until this point, were just supporting characters, were just in yeah. the background. Uh, were never really the main focus of anything and gave us, I don't know what the total runtime of that show was, but six plus hours of yeah. time just with those characters to get to know them and care about them uh, and, and to understand what they've been through and where they're going. And I think that was the genius of that show. And what I'm so glad we saw completely carry over to a very different show, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is kind of that same playbook. Let's take two characters who up until now have only been supporting characters or maybe a villain in a a movie. I mean, technically Winter Soldier is the subtitle of a movie, but we didn't really get a whole lot of Winter Soldier in Winter Soldier. Right. But we're going to give them an entire series on their backs to get to know who these people are uh they are now moving up to the a-list and we know we've got to do some heavy lifting of you know we haven't invested in them the same way you everyone's invested in tony or steve we got to give these guys time to to get there and that brings us to our second topic today which is falcon winter soldier and how awesome it was oh man loved it yes Yes. Oh, goodness gracious. And I don't even I, know where to start with this because there's so much in this show that was just like, I can't believe they went there, but I'm so glad they did. Um, and talk about kicking the doors open for lore and backstory. Holy shit. So um, I, I guess just first of all, um, it, it's amazing to me. I think that uh, I think Marvel opened the door on like Captain America stories and like the Captain America universe of its own in, in that era. Um, I think it's very special to me because that's when I first started reading Captain America. So um, <clears throat> if you're a comic book reader, like you'll know, like uh, you know, when Captain America dies, Bucky becomes the Bucky becomes Captain America. That was all around what, like 2007, maybe through like 2009, 2010. Yeah. And uh, that's when I start, you know, that's when I started buying comics. And so for me, like, I'm like, yes, awesome. Like, this is all of the stuff. Like, I can go and like go in the basement and pull out the comic books that like, this is how I met this character. This is when this person shows up. And then like, I've read plenty of Captain America 
since then and stuff from before then and whatever else. So, like, A, bringing in the Flag Smasher, like, Carl Morgenthau and just, like, changing that character in a way that, like, worked for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I thought was excellent. Because, like, that is, like, a D-list Captain America villain in my mind, right? Like, Zemo's up there. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It's a it's a a very risky move because yeah, Flag Smasher. In if if you're if you're one of like the dozen people who love Flag Smasher from the comics, um, and and coming into this Flag Smasher and this is very much an in name only character translation. Like they're called the Flag Smashers, and it you know Carl becomes Carly. But really, other than that, there's not a whole lot in common with these characters. But it works beautifully, and that is another very hard trick to pull off. Is usually when you're when you're changing a character so much that you know that they recognize their they're they're only recognizable in name to their comic book counterpart. That usually spells trouble, but like Marvel right. really made it work. And part of that being again, Flag Smasher, like you said, is kind of a D list villain. Um, he's just look up you know, Google Flag Smasher Marvel Comics, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, see why they yes. didn't go in that direction. Um. Yeah, we're. Uh, yeah, I guess it just this this era of Captain America comics where really it's sort of like, you know, Captain America is a war hero who has a great understanding and, and is like a an agent of Shield slash the United States government. Um, it's always unclear, which I think that they did a good job with that here. Um, like where to where do the Falcon and the Winter Soldier actually fit in in U.S. foreign policy? Uh, we don't know. Just kind of go for <laughs> it and don't mess up too bad. Um, which is great. And then really also bringing in some of those like the, the, the espionage and spy elements, which the Winter Soldier, I thought, just did so well. Um, mm-hmm. my, my oldest brother uh, does not, is not a comic book person at all, as opposed to me and my brother Aaron. And so I've been telling him like over and over again, because like he's a politics reporter, I'm like, you just you just gotta watch the Winter Soldier. Like the Winter Soldier to me is like it's what it's in my top three of Marvel films. It probably always will be. And obviously I'm a Captain America like super fan, so I am super biased. But um, this is this is like the the comic realm that I think is like extremely relatable to um, U.S. politics right now, anyways. And so I think by kind of diving into some of those like issues as well. This show does a really good job. First of all, dude, look, Winter Soldier was so great they gave the Russo brothers the entire MCU to play with. Yeah. So <laughs> there's yeah. there's no I mean that is on pretty much everyone's like top ten greatest superhero movies of all time list. If not top five. Uh no, it's a fantastic movie. And and uh I'm trying to think how to bring this there's there's as far as is as mirroring the times and mirroring, you know, what's going on in the way and kind of giving us a heightened version of that, like that's when Cap is, is on. Like that's when um, that's one of the reasons I think the the for the uh, Cap the First Avenger, while not a bad movie, is by far the weakest film in the Cap trilogy. Uh, and there's a multitude of reasons for that. It, it's, it's, the movie did the best it could with what it had to work with. That that the movie was very fenced in as far as the story you could tell. But coming out of like the first Avengers movie, I don't think Cap was very many people's favorite Avenger because he was kind of boring. 
Yeah. Winter Soldier, again, kicked the doors out. No, no, no. Here's really what Steve is. We haven't really got to tell this version of Steve's story yet. The man at a time uh, whose morality is kind of old-fashioned and, and dealing with modern issues with that old-school mentality. And, like, that's where we really got to see Steve become Steve. And, you know, Steve wins the day by giving an awesome speech. <laughs> There's no right. more a Captain America thing <laughs> than giving a, a, her, a, an inspiring speech uh, and getting people to do the, the right thing because you're Cap. Right. Uh, that's the real superpower of Cap. <laughs> because of who I am. It's like, no, you make people want to be a better version of themselves to live up to you because you're Cap. Exactly. Uh, there's that great line in, I think it's in Winter Soldier, where it's like, uh, Falcon volunteers to help. And he's like, no, I can't ask you to do that. And he's like, Captain America asked me for help. <laughs> right? I can't ask you to get back into this. Come on, man. Captain America's asking me for help. Like, how do you, you can't say no to that. Um, right. But this show really, really dove into that. Um, and it's a very fine line to walk between beating you over the head with it, with its message. Yes. Uh, and, and, and delivering it. You know, we we want to make sure you get what we're saying, but we don't want to like, you know, repeat it 8 million times and you're like, yeah, okay, we get it. Move on. Uh, that's a very thin line to walk. And I think this show walked that line very well. I, so in, in speaking about cap in that way, I think what this show does really a good job of, of like, I, I think it's great that it's called the Falcon and the winter soldier, because these are two characters who have a lot in common with Steve. Um, that's why they're, that's why they're friends with him. And so something that I looked for as far as like thematic, like who are these characters is, is that uh, Sam has a ton of that uh, inspiring presence with other people, right? Like he has conversations with people over and over again that is like, okay, I'm going to be calm and understanding. And I want to like deliver a point to you. That's going to bring you over to this new place of understanding. Um, and so I, I feel like Sam has a lot of like Steve's compassion, right? Like we're not going to leave anybody behind. We're going to, you know, save as many lives as we can. And then Bucky, uh, the Winter Soldier in this, is very much like Steve's determination, right? Like um, he's determined to turn a new leaf, even though he doesn't necessarily know what that's going to look like. So throughout the show, we see him like struggling to figure out who he is because it's not like he doesn't have the same powers as the Winter Soldier. And it's not like he didn't do the things that the Winter Soldier did. It's just he's not actually that person anymore. So who is he now? Um, and he's determined to figure that out in the best way possible. He's just not sure what that is. And I, I, I really dig that as, as far as like a beat in the show. There's a great line. Um, I think it's in the first episode when Bucky's talking to his therapist. Uh, he says, you know, I, I got a little piece in Wakanda. Other than that, all I've done is go from one war to another for 90 years. Yes. And it's like, this is the first chance he's ha had to stop catch his breath and try to console with who am I? Bucky from the forties, he's gone. Uh, the winter soldier, he's gone. So with that, who am I? And especially with, with Bucky, so much of, of who he is was defined by Bucky. He's Captain America's best friend. Like that was like his defining thing. And now Captain America has gone. So again, who the hell am I? Right, uh, and I think there's there's a little bit of that with Sam, but you know, not not certainly not to the level that, that Bucky has. Um, they did. It's, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, they did some things that I thought were, were great as well as like show, giving Bucky some humanity in some ways. Like when he the joke of um, yeah, I read Lord of the Rings when it first came out in 1937. <laughs> right? 
Yes. Like, Nerd that... flexing on the entire MCU. <laughs> that was just, that was absolutely excellent. I, I loved that. Because um, it gave you something of that character that is like, hey, I'm a nerd, and I also have my own like personality. Um, and then I also loved the fact that they brought some things in from the from the previous Captain America films. Like, when you notice Bucky sleeping on the floor in his apartment, mm-hmm. um, you can either, you can devise either two things. Like, A, you could just be a normal person and be like, oh, uh, you know, he doesn't have a bed because he doesn't have a job. Or B, uh, which what I did was that if you walk, if you watch the Winter Soldier again, when um, Sam and, and Steve are running at the, in, in DC, um, he talks about how uncomfortable he is at home. And he's like, your bed is too soft. And you end up sleeping on the floor. And so it was this other thing of like, oh, yeah, like Bucky's having that same experience, too, of like being back at home isn't actually being back at home because you're so used to these conflicts that you can't get comfortable in the same way that other people do. One of the genius things about this, and again, it goes back to the the core of MCU. And and when we first meet Sam, okay, when we first meet him, he's jogging. But after that, when we meet Sam again, he's counseling soldiers who return from war and trying to adjust to coming back to civilian life. That's what we originally met him as. And what is Bucky, if not a soldier who's finally returned home from war? Uh, just 90 years of war. Right. Uh, and that was such that the scene, the shield catch scene in like was the second to last episode where they're just tossing the shield back and forth. And like, yeah. you know, it, it was very much a, like, uh, you know, dad and son, let's go out and have a catch kind of moment. But like seeing that connection of Sam recognizing, okay, I know what he's, or at least I have some idea of what he's going through. I've seen people like this before. I can help. Let me help. Uh, and and Bucky finally letting someone help him. Uh, right. That scene right there was like, okay, this is the show in one scene. Like this is fantastic. Uh, both actors doing such a great job with the material, and the material like really reaching back to the core of who these characters are, and and what each one needs and what the other one can give to each other. Like that was it's such a great scene, and it was such it's awesome to see this sort of uh, buddy cop-ish relationship they had kind of move into another, you know, they're, I feel like before this, and follow me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit of a rabbit hole. Uh, okay. Before this, Sam and Bucky were like beginning of Lethal Weapon 1 relationship, where it's like, <laughs> we have to work together, but I don't really like you, and I have nothing in common with you. Uh, we're just here because we had the same job. Like, we're, we're here because we're, we're friends with Steve. It was, it was sort of the, I'm Steve's best friend. No, I'm Steve's best friend. Like, that kind of butting head mentality. Like, they, they work together, but they don't necessarily like each other at all. And right. through the show, I feel like we've ended up uh, at, like, the end of Lethal Weapon 1, maybe beginning of Lethal Weapon 2 uh, relationship, where it's like, yeah, I'm still going to give you shit about everything because that's our relationship, but, like, you're a brother to me. Like, I love right. you. Like, you know, when the, 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 the end of, I think it's Lethal Weapon 1, when they um uh Murtaugh comes in and makes Riggs come in for, for dinner at Christmas. Like we've come to that level of their relationship of uh it's not just like I, I deal with you and I put up with you, but like okay, like we're actually like I'm your friend now. And I think that's what's one of the greatest moments in the show and it's a very small moment though. They don't they don't make a big deal out of it. But right. when Bucky calls Sam Cap. 
right. That's it, man. Like that yep. got me choked up, and I was like, "That's Same. what we need, man." Like, yeah, there's only one person who can properly anoint a new Captain America, and that's Bucky, and he just did it. Right. It was, uh, I, I. So I have a hard time because, it, in general, once you give me, I'm, I'm a mark for Marvel films, right? So like, uh, once somebody shows up, they got the shield. Captain America throws the shield. Uh, you know, <laughs> Sam flies a little bit. Bucky's got a metal arm and does some metal arm shit. I'm, I'm good. I'm in. Like you've given me what I've needed. Like, look, he did the thing. He's got the shield. He threw it at somebody. I'm in. Like uh, in the last episode where. Uh, where Cap's got the shield and he's flying with the helicopter, right? He, he fights yeah. the helicopter. That was awesome. Like, I could have watched six episodes of different stuff like that of like, oh, look how I use the shield in this situation. I, as a Captain America person, like, I'm in for that. I'm totally in. I'm all the way bought in for that. Um, but I think instead, the show, the show is bigger than that as well. Um, and it's one of the things that I just really enjoyed about it is, is that it dove into all these relationships and kind of gave like a deeper meaning and it didn't ignore some things. Um, it's, I was talking about this yesterday and I still don't know exactly how to feel about it. I'm really glad that they brought in Isaiah Bradley into this. Oh my um, God. And, yes. And, and talking about that story there, if you haven't read truth, you should read it. It's absolutely fantastic because, uh, my first introduction into, um, black people as super soldiers was actually, do you remember the, um, the ultimate universe, the way that they handled that? Yes, which which was a good uh, which was a good introduction to their version of Nick Fury, mm-hmm. um, but I, I like Truth a little bit better, um, and so introducing that character and then him like looking at Sam and just being like, "Hey, um, I don't think any black man should be Captain America," and Sam really having to like take that on and go, "Okay, if I'm not going to do this, what am I going to do? And should I do this?" And really having like a like a moral battle with that because I think that that would be a real conversation, you know, like if Captain America existed in America in 2021 right now, um, should a black person do this? Would a black person want to do this? Like, what does America mean to, what does America mean to black people, especially right now with um, our discussions of racial injustice that's been going on for hundreds of years. And so the show didn't shy away from it. Um, I know some some friends of mine, I read an article that was, was kind of like, well, you know, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier introduces this and you know, Isaiah Bradley tells this to, to Sam and Sam's just like, ah, whatever, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, and they just kind of go on about it. And they, you know, and I think that it makes me wonder, like, how much do we want to ask of Sam Wilson in this? Um, and it, I almost wish it, it, it like warranted another episode at some point of like, yes, um, America has lots of work to do when it comes to racial justice. And so uh, do we, you know, as black people, do we sit out on that conversation and wait for things to improve? You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily sit out on the conversation, but like not partake in parts of America because they aren't necessarily prepared for us and we're going to face more strife. Or do we join that conversation and we're, we're larger parts in it, even if it's going to cause some strife for us personally and, and for other people. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about, uh, black Captain America, I think, <laughs> for like years to come, quite frankly, because I think that it is such a cool thing that like I didn't expect to see. Like, 
I think when we when Winter Soldier came out in 2014, because Sam became Captain America in what 2016, maybe even before then, right? In the comic books. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I remember buying those issues. Like I remember that was like right after, uh, right after Dimension Z, Captain America, and then um, they you know they brought Sam in, and I thought, oh, this is great. And I think even Anthony Mackie like tweeted it. He was like, oh, this is great. You know, it's in the comic books. It's not in the movies, but this is awesome. And like, had you told me that if you know, just a few years later, that was going to take place on film, like, I, like everybody was going to watch it, everybody was going to see it, I'd be like, I was like, nah, we're not ready for that, are we? And so we are. Um, and I think that's how do I describe that? Like, part of the show, it's it's its own controversy, and and part of you know America and our discourse right now, it's its own controversy as well. And I think that's the important part of actually putting it out there, you know, even if it's not everything that maybe it needs to be and it can't solve everything, it can do something. It can at least start the dialogue. Absolutely. Making in, in, um, no, um, um, and sorry, I, I just want to like back in there. No, no, never apologize for that, Don. <laughs> um, that was awesome. And that's, that's obviously, I value what you have to say. I, you're the you're the biggest Captain America fan I know, um, and and that's why I wanted you on the show with this. And and then also, obviously, you're a black man in America. I can't say shit about being a black man in America. I don't know anything about that. I'm sorry, but you, you bring a perspective to the show that I don't have. It can never have. And 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 I value your input on that. And I, I never apologize for nerding out on a show called Nerdly. <laughs> uh, that's why you're here. <laughs> um, I want to back up a minute. Um, you covered so much. I, Isaiah Bradley. As soon as Bucky says to to Sam, "There's someone you need to meet," I was like, "Oh, are they gonna? Are they? Are they doing this? Are we doing this?" Um, because there's so much that comes with that character and that story, um, and what it means for the legacy of Captain America. And, and in the back of my fanboy mind, I wanted this to happen, but in, in the front of my, like, here's how movies are made kind of mind, I was like, I don't know, man, that's a lot of, uh, gray, uh, you know, that's a very dark stain on the, the, the legacy of, of Steve and whatnot. And, and that's a lot of, I mean, that, that, that whole story deserves its own miniseries. I don't know if we're going to dig into all that, but no, we did. We dug right into it. Um, and as soon as we get to that apartment and, and Eli opens the door, um, patriot maybe uh yeah right i was like oh shit no we're doing this and then and then uh, and i forget the actor's name and i'm terrible at my job and i forgot to look it up but when we meet isaiah he doesn't have a lot of screen time but holy shit does he knock that role out of the park like just there's so much gravitas and weight to everything he says and and you're right like to 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 have to introduce uh, a black captain america and not address what would be the 800 pound gorilla in the room would be disingenuous to, to, to say, Oh, there's a black house in America and everyone's fine with it. Like, okay, that's not the world we live in. And, right. and Sam even says it. like, you know, I, I know as soon as I pick up that shield, ha- you know, a part of America is going to hate me for it. And I can live with that. Um, so to go back and really dig into uh, and sort of reveal a, a corner. And then they kind of sort of retcon the character a bit. Cause in, in, and correct me if I'm wrong in uh red, white and black, he takes, he gets the serum before Steve because they're perfecting it still. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he serves sort of concurrently during World War II with Steve as Cap. And in this one, they've they've redone the timeline a bit of it's not them perfecting the serum. It's them trying to recreate the serum. And he was uh, Isaiah was a super soldier during like the Korea era when Steve was a capsicle. Right. Because um, I'm never letting that term go away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> capsicle is, is a good one. <laughs> that, that actor's name was Carl Lumbly, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And holy shit, man. Um, give that guy an Emmy. Best supporting actor right there. Seriously. He carried so much of that. Um, Which if and the reason I really recognized him is he's voiced the Martian Manhunter like a bunch of times. Um, in oh my god! DC animated shows. So if you Thank if you, you recognize that voice immediately, that's how you know him. It just clicked in my brain. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, he was awesome in in, in the way you know, that there's a dialogue, there's a perspective he can give, and, and uh, the scenes he has with Sam are so great. Uh, and it's it's the story would be so much less without that character and. And it, it comes around to we come full circle at the end of the show to the other moment that got me choked up in tears, which is Sam bringing him back to the, the Captain America Museum at the Smithsonian, which why is that not a real thing? I know he isn't a real character. Historically, he never existed, but whatever. I want a cat museum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> make it happen, Marvel. Man, if I've my brother used to live in D.C. and I would go to the Smithsonian like every time, like every time I would just go and go to these museums there was a cap exhibit do you know how much money i all all your money uh no (laughs) you you do uh, there was for a while there was like a traveling marvel show and just make the captain america museum a traveling thing just take it on the road we all want to see just show off the props from the movie uh but anyway sorry uh when um sam takes isaiah to the museum and because Isaiah's thing is, you know, I'm dead. Let me be dead. Let the world forget about me. Because in it's, again, they, they kind of retcon the character, but in such a great way, because Isaiah did exactly what Steve did, which is I found out my guys were prisoner and, and, and they, they weren't going to rescue them. So I went off the reservation, went AWOL and, and rescued my guys in first Avenger. That's the big heroic uh, shift into Act Two of Oh look, Captain America, the Star Spangled Man with a plan. He rescued Bucky and all the soldiers. Yay, he's a hero! Three cheers for Captain America! Woo! Flip side of that, Isaiah rescued people they didn't want rescued, and he gets thrown in prison for it for thirty years. And right. apparently, the only reason he gets out of prison is because a nurse faked his death. Yeah, that was like soul crushing to hear him tell that story. And uh, so when when we finally come around, um, and I don't know what strings he had to pull, but uh, Sam shows him that in the Captain America Museum at the Smithsonian, which still isn't real, damn it, uh, <laughs> there's this gleaming statue of him, and that his his part of the story of Captain America is not forgotten and won't be forgotten. He's not been erased from history. Um, Sorry, <clears throat> choked up talking about it. Uh, it was so powerful, and and it might be a little too oversimplistic, and and um, you know, it might be one of those more 
comic booky moments. I like to think it's not, but like it's it's so rewarding. And oh, yeah. the look on his face when he sees that and the embraces Sam um without even saying a word. It mm-hmm. was just it was so awesome to see. Um and furthermore, I now want an entire series about Isaiah Bradley uh as the Korean super soldier. I mean, it should totally Okay, sorry. I'm going to get like too excited and mess up all my words. So (laughs) I would watch the shit out of that. And and I'll tell you this is it's the same reaction, not the same reaction, a similar reaction to seeing Black Panther in the theater. Um, And and, um, you know me, I think I like the theater, but I don't necessarily, you know, I've seen most of the Marvel movies in theaters. But to me, that's the one that's the Marvel movie I've seen the most times in the theater. Um, Maybe Black Panther. I saw three times. Anyways, the point being is, is that I had some like very strong feelings about that because like you, you don't, you don't really think about representation to a certain degree until you realize that you don't have it. And then you're like, Oh, that would be nice to have. And then when you do get it and it's and it's like a celebration, it is just like heartwarming in, in this just excellent way. And I think especially because America has so many race issues, creating the story and giving it these different perspectives is, is what makes it so important. Isaiah being honored in that way, it like needs to happen because that's that's like maybe like the maybe what is too idealistic from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, is that to a certain degree, America's still not necessarily prepared to um, look at our look at its racist past and then go, Hey, you know what? Like we did some terrible things and we need to go back and we need to make sure that we make some things right. Um, you know, because giving Isaiah Bradley as a, a statue is like fantastic. Like that guy should be like paid for all of his military service. They should like, you know, it, it needs to be like a humongous thing as well. Um, and, and obviously that's a first step or whatever other steps, you know, that that fictional universe takes. Um, it's the, um, I know for me in my own family structure, you know, like uh, my dad is far less trusting of, you know, I could see if, if for some, somehow I got a super soldier serum or vibranium wings, my dad would also be like, are you sure that you want to put your life on the line for a country that doesn't necessarily value you because of the color of your skin? Um, And I think that that would be a conversation between any black parent and their uh, you know, like black millennial son or daughter or child, you know, like whoever would happen to be in that role. Um, I thought the way that they did this and and the emotion that they bring into it and the gravity that they bring to it, you know, like this is like a real race conversation. And it's not just, hey, guys, look, we, we, gave, you, we gave you a black Captain America. You should be happy now. You gave us all of the complications that come along with that and you didn't ignore them. And that's that just means the absolute world to me. Like I, I could just, I, I feel like I went in a circle there, but I just, um, well, it's no, you're absolutely right I, to, to introduce this character as the new captain America in the world we live in now, because that's the, you know, Marvel is always, it, it's, it's the world we live in just slightly removed. You know, it's the world we lived in. If, you know, we had super soldiers and like Iron Man tech and crap like that, you know? Yeah. So to do that and not address that would feel disingenuous. It would feel like you guys are just ignoring the issue. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it would 
um, if I'm using this term correctly, it would be tokenism. It's just, hey, look, yeah. he's black. There you go. You got one. Uh, and, and not address what that really means. Um, it, it would, it would, yeah, it would feel just manufactured and, and fake. Um, second, please promise me if you get super soldier serum and vibranium wings that I can be your Bucky. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> That's recorded now. That'll oh, hold up in yeah. court. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, promise me if you are Bucky that you'll uh, try to do a superhero jump out of a plane and just land in some trees. <laughs> oh, I can guarantee that. Have you seen me attempt to be athletic? Because <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes, I think. <laughs> I love Sam's right. You know I got that whole thing on tape, right? Uh, so then the other big character who's introduced in this and has a very interesting character arc. Uh, and another character that I, I was, I expected to show up in this. Uh, I was glad to see that they were doing this character and I was very concerned about how they would handle this character. John Walker. Yeah. The not cap cap. Um, my big concern about this because, and, and I'll be honest, uh, I only became kind of a John Walker fan in recent years. Um, he was. I, I have. I love alternate versions of superheroes, whether it's from like a different reality or a different dimension, or whatever. So, U.S. Agent from the time I was a kid, and I saw like a U.S. Agent action figure, and I was like, "What the heck is this? Why is Captain America dressed up in black?" I'm confused. Um, he's one of those characters that's always kind of intrigued me because I, I, again, I love like alternate takes on superheroes. Yeah. Um, so, U.S. Agent's always been kind of a cool character. And it was also one of Kemp's favorite characters. Don't ask me why. I don't know why. He just loved U.S. Agent for some reason. Uh, so, I was I was very happy to see the character come in. Uh, and, and knowing the what little I knew about the character, it was like, okay, John Walker is not necessarily a villain. He's not necessarily a bad guy. He might be at odds with our protagonist he might be right. an antagonist but he's not really like he's not an evil guy you know he's not he's not red skull um and my concern was because here's the thing everyone loves steve rogers everyone loves chris evans as steve rogers like there, there's everyone loves that version of that character because it's 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 one of the most well done uh comic to screen translations of a character since maybe chris reeves put on the superman cape right. uh it's 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 perfect he nailed it and uh, we love we've gone on a journey with that character we know that character we love that character you know coming into this show we are bucky we all know and love cap and we've been there through with cap we love cap just putting somebody else in a suit and saying this is captain america now people are automatically going to hate him no matter right. who it is no matter what they've done doesn't matter we're not going to like him because he's not steve that's not the hard part with John Walker. Uh, and, and clearly, uh, the, the internet proved that to be true. As soon as he showed up and was introduced as Captain America, people started shitting on him. Uh, you know, we hadn't even said a word yet, and people already hated the character. That's yeah. not the hard part with John Walker. Um, and we know we have to prove that he's not, uh, to borrow from another superhero, he's not worthy to wield the shield. He's not the right guy in that job. So we have to introduce something in the story where... He's he's not on the level he can't be cap. And that again, I was I was concerned there. I was like, I don't want them to twist this and have him become evil cap because he's not. Mm -hmm. Um I'm very happy with how they handled the character of John Walker. 
because I feel like he is essentially presented to us in, and never forget, like, Steve started out as Cap as a soldier in a war. He became a superhero. He became, you know, uh, dressed up in a spangly suit. Um, and, and he, you know, the first guy at America, he's using guns. He's dropping bombs. He's blowing right. shit up. He's in war. Every movie after that is when he transitions into the superhero cap. He doesn't carry a gun anymore. Uh, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's, he transitions from being soldier to being a superhero. <clears throat> John Walker is right back to formula as far as no, he is a soldier. He carries a gun. He uses a gun. Uh, he's he's of a different mentality than Steve ended up being at, and that is what they use to sort of set up. He might be a great super soldier, but he's not a great cap, right? Uh, and I feel they did a really good job of understanding completely why he did what he did, and even make a justification for that what he did maybe wasn't wrong um in the heat of the battle uh just newly jacked up on super soldier serum if someone killed my best friend in front of me i'd chase him down and beat him to death right. I'm, a, I'm not ashamed to admit it I'm, I'm you know i like to think i'm a good person but i'm not above uh vengeance so i understand the character i understand why he did what he did um and then we get to probably the best fight scene in the entire show maybe in all of the mcu ah, that might be a stretch the bucky mm-hmm. falcon uh walker fight where they're trying to take back the shield um but my point being i was really happy to see that they didn't just paint john walker as oh it's bad guy captain america um, right and i'd love to see <laughs> I, I can't wait to see more of it um maybe one of the most screen accurate um comic to film costume translations when he becomes u.s agent at the end of it right uh i'm glad we didn't kill john walker off you know i'm glad because marvel had that had that problem back in phase one we killed off a lot of bad guys um he's still there he's still around he's he's still jacked up on the serum uh he's got a new suit and a new title and i i expect we'll see more of the character some uh I'm very glad because again, there, there's a version of this character where he's just straight up a bad guy and no one likes. And I'm sorry, that was a lot. <clears throat> oh yeah, no, I think um, so. I, my take on U.S. Agent John Walker for a long period of time has really been, you know, have you seen these? I see them on, I guess, on TikToks now. It's like, you know, they they pour water and they talk about like how somebody made my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And I feel like Marvel's um, Explan- you know, the simple explanation of, of John Walker in my mind is, is like, what if you just took like most, uh, you know, like an 80 percent dose of Captain America and then you added in like a little bit of that antihero mentality that you get from Wolverine or that you get from like Punisher, uh, Frank Castle at times where it's like, yeah, you know, like I'm really in. I love America. I want to do the right thing. But also sometimes the right thing means um, being maybe. It, it, at least for John Walker, sometimes that right thing is, you know, cruelty is involved or, um, you know, vengeance is involved in a way that Steve Rogers, you wouldn't really see him. You wouldn't really see that character involve themselves in. Um, and it's not like, I mean, obviously people love Frank Castle. People love Wolverine. So John Walker is not removed so far from that. It's just that you don't have a picture of like, <laughs> 
you don't you know there's not like a Steve Rogers version of Logan or a Steve Rogers version of Frank so you don't c- compare them in that same way where like because US agent uses a shield and walks around with a costume that's so similar to Captain America it's of course you know you're you're harking back to this other character that you absolutely love and his moral code seems so gray in comparison um and i think that the show also did like a good job of like when John Walker is Captain America, his suit is just like, I, I don't know, maybe they like either like didn't give him a muscle thing to like wear under there. Or like, it just feels like a little bit like he never actually fits into it very well. You know, it's, it's always like, mm, are you really Captain America though? Like you look mostly like it, but are you actually really what this is supposed to be? And because there's that, like just that bit of that perversion on this character that you love so much, um, you you know as an audience you know you just initially like you like you hate him but you're like excuse me this is not Steve Rogers what are you doing here <laughs> no no I wanted Dr Pepper you brought me Dr K this is not yes. the same <laughs> um but yeah I, I I I obviously don't have the same enjoyment from John Walker that you do but I think that they did a really good job with the character and he's also even just a He's a, when I think about the show in, in, in race relation terms as well, um, you know, he obviously messes up really bad. You know, he kills somebody, it gets filmed, he can't be Captain America anymore. Um, and he kind of gets told, like, don't do a shield, don't dress up this way anymore. And he shows up and does it anyways at the end. And it's almost like, you know, in the way that we kind of talk about uh, race relations, right? Where, like, if, you know, let's say if Sam had been under the same guidance and it, done the same thing would the u.s government has been had been as lenient on sam you know obviously it wasn't that way for isaiah bradley do we think the same thing might happen for sam would he be arrested in the same way well john walker just shows up and they're kind of like oh hey you kind of helped out so all is forgiven um and i i I thought that was a a cool way because really it's what america's like um it's what we're kind of used to Uh, but it also kind of gave that character a way out of just being like Hey, I did something wrong, and now I just have to like go into the shadows, or I have to become a villain after this. Um, yeah, it gave him some some room for redemption, which I enjoyed. There's a great character beat where he has the choice of either chasing after Carly or going to help, and and we see him literally throw down the shield to try and hold the, the armored car full of hostages. Um, which ultimately doesn't work, and Sam has to come in and, and save it for him. But right. uh, it, it's 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 a great beat of like, yeah, he's again, he's not Steve, but he's not necessarily a bad guy. Um, and that's yeah. Um, there's definitely uh, some some overtones of white privilege in that. And honestly, Don, I'm sorry, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, my white privilege is showing now. Uh, I hadn't even put that together in my head. I'm like, yeah, no, he did exactly. (laughs) You're not Captain America anymore. He just showed up. Like, no, yeah, I am. It's okay. I made my own shield. It's all good. Um, (laughs) yeah, doesn't get arrested. Doesn't get in trouble. You know, and but it's it's cool in that way though that like he doesn't like what's cool about it. And and the fact that they put white privilege on screen in that way is just like John Walker doesn't even think of it in that way. Right. Like you not thinking of it in that way. Like that's, that's, that's what America has right now. Right. Like that's, 
that's how to how that white privilege is sort of like shrouded, you know, to a certain degree, right? You know, you don't necessarily see it all the time. They didn't like make a big point about it, but and I think also because like I noticed that because I'm in, if if you looked at my Twitter or TikTok feeds right now, like black comic book talk is like number one on my, you know, like on my on my radar. And so like, it's one of the things that I noticed because it was one of the things that I was, that I wanted to kind of like see them do. And I think they did a good job with like that character, not necessarily realizing that situation. But again, they didn't, John Walker is again, like not an inherently evil person, right? Like his relationship with Lamar is very important to him. Um, and because of like, that's why he does this thing, right? Like um, I think that they gave him a, like John Walker, like almost everybody that's supporting him throughout the show is a black character, right? Like um, his wife is black. Um, he gets introduced by an HBCU band when he first becomes Captain America. I think that they they wanted to make sure that they gave you a character who benefits from white privilege, but isn't necessarily a character who is even secretly racist and, and doesn't know it. It's more so he's he's where a lot of people in America are right now, where it's just kind of like, Hey, I'm benefiting from white privilege, but I don't necessarily understand how that works right now. Um, and putting that on, putting that on a television show is like, yeah, right. Like this is a this is the conversation that you can have to kind of kind of point those things out, which again is, I think, a place where they did a great job with the show. This is exactly why I wanted you to be the one to talk to me about this, Don. <laughs> God, you're so smart. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let me check my. Uh, Let's see. We haven't we talked. Haven't about, talked about yet. We haven't talked about Valentina. Um, oh, oh man, which just came out of nowhere to me. Like if Contessa you were like, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Yes, if you had told just me, this me Val, but don't really call me that. Sorry. If you had told me that, uh, can we? Let's see. Does she go by? What are the what are the names that she gone by? Like, is it like Val de Fontaine, or is she just gone by Val at some point? I She's know. Even... I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure Nick Fury just called her Val because it was too much to write in the uh, speech bubbles every time. But uh, yeah, she eventually ends up as Madame Hydra, right? Which is, uh, and, and then again, uh, if you watch the um, Assembled, the making of series that Marvel does, uh, they talked to Julio the Weedwireface a bit about that. And she describes the character as it's really fun to play this shady Nick Fury is what she calls him. Uh, And I was like, yeah, no, that's uh, because again, what we know about her at this point uh, is, is nothing. We don't know anything about her. We know her name. That's it. So Uh, we can draw some conclusions from the comics, but go ahead. Sorry. I have some. This is this is a deep shot. Okay, this is a very okay. deep shot. Love All it. right, we're calling our shots. Here we go. This is a deep shot, but I, I'm gonna want to throw it out there, and it, it might prove untrue in the future. Okay, so I don't think she's ever gonna be Madame Hydra, and I don't think she's ever going to be a an actual villain. And will only she reason be I'm, Nick Fury's girlfriend? I mean, that's possible. Can we get a scene with Samuel Jackson and Julia Louis Dreyfus, and one of them makes a comment about when they used to date? Can that just be a thing, please? That would be excellent. But Take the reason, all my money, Marvel. I just want to see that. Sorry, go. Ahead. The reason I don't ever think she's going to be a villain is because um, I'm so I'm doing this. Uh, I teach computer science, and I'm doing a, a computer science course with Mac right now. And so um, my like our professor for all of our PDs, our our, our leader for this, uh, actually like works for Apple. 
and he's a big like comic book nerd too. Like I've got my Captain America shield in the background for all of our PDs. So like we've geeked out and he's like, Don, did you notice this in the show? She uses an iPhone and Apple does not allow villains to use iPhones. Wasn't that a Sharon Carter thing too? They talked about she must be a bad guy because she's not using an iPhone. I remember reading yes. about that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I was like, I didn't, you know, like I I picked up on it from Sharon Carter, but I didn't pick up on it there. And I was like, dude, like you just blew my mind. Like you absolutely just blew my. Mind. <laughs> also, way to go, Apple, for ruining all the suspense. God. <laughs> and I mean, she could end up being a villain later on, and you know, she switches yeah. to Android later. She doesn't. But... <laughs> that'll be our big reveal. Hey, she's using. Because apparently the character was supposed to show up, or she might still show up in um, Black Widow, which again was supposed to be in theaters long before this show was on. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if she shows up in that, not using an iPhone, <laughs> right? It'll muddy the waters a bit, I guess. Um, but yeah, I have. No. Oh, I just have no right. idea how how this character is going to be used because my introduction to her is actually through Secret Warriors. And I'm pretty oh. sure in Secret Warriors, she's Madame Hydra um, and, like, is pretty villainous, at least in, in that, like, realm. Because there's, like, three, you know, you have S.H.I.E.L.D., you have Hydra, and what's the other? They have, like, there's, like, another secret organization during that time period. Is it, like, Kraken? Cobra? With the K? No, it's no. DC. Never mind. What other one is it? I'm going to have to think about this. But is But it's, like, all three of them are, like, sort of, like, fighting in this, like underground war and you, you know like nick fury secret warriors are all these characters that you don't really know like it's like you know a third string uh a, like a third string of the gods like it's like hercules son with somebody else or not even hercules uh Ares. um and like another like wizard that's not dr strange or related to dr strange at all like it's it's really it does a it does a great job of like sorcerer i should say it does a great job of like introducing you to characters that you wouldn't have cared about before. And in this like world that is just like, everything's going to crumble, but no, you know, like none of the real Marvel characters like, no, like it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good introduction. But um, I'm wondering if that's going to be that, that same sort of character where she's just behind the scenes, pulling strings in a way that like nobody's prepared for it all. I don't know. It, it's, this felt like the gift I didn't know I wanted, but now I can't get enough of it. Um, she's only in like two scenes in the entire show, but she's amazing to watch in both of them. And I, I, I will speculate all day where I think we're going with this and where I hope we're going with this. Uh, but that leads me to the next character we haven't talked about really. Zemo is back and, and better than ever. Uh, (laughs) I get, I, I feel like this was sort of like Marvel kind of like, hey, we we did Zemo, but not really Zemo. Give us a second shot. We can do better. Um, which, again, hey, props, Marvel. Stop killing your villains off. This is what you can do if you don't kill them off. You can get a second chance. Uh, we got Zemo full out mask, furry white collar, kicking ass. Uh, he was, uh, I wrote this down, and I underlined it. I want to make sure I make this comparison. So in case you haven't seen it, you'll know. Leo Getz of our Lethal Weapon trio. We've got Riggs in, in uh, um, I guess, Bucky because he has the, 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 the violent past. We've got our Murtaugh and Sam. And now we have our Leo Getz, our Joe Pesci in Zemo. 
And yes. I want a recreation of that poster where it's Sam and Bucky <laughs> back to back and Zemo's like peeking up over there. If someone hasn't photoshopped that yet, uh, you're welcome. Get on that. Get on that. No, that's good. That's really good. Um, it was just so cool to see. You know, oh, you've been rich the whole time? I'm a Baron, Sam. Right. Because, <laughs> uh, again, Zemo's kind of a weird character. And it's still a bit of, you know, he's not wearing a full-on purple suit with a head mask. But uh, we're definitely much more in the realm of the comics. Uh, I like how they played him up as not necessarily like a mastermind, but more of he's sort of a Loki character. Uh, and by that, I literally mean Loki, L-O-K-I. And yes. that he's just kind of like, okay, I'm stuck in a situation I don't really want to be in. How can I spin it to my advantage? Uh, and that was fun to see him kind of on the back foot. Uh, where he's, he's not just executing some master plan he's come up with. He's he's trying to just, you know, manipulate events to his, his benefit. Yeah, I thought they did a great job of, of introducing this character. And it, it was it was less of the, like... I think when I first started reading comic books, I would just read anything that was like mildly recent from Captain America. And so my introduction to uh, Zemo and Batrock were both like very goofy versions. Um, and so this was more like, I haven't read a lot of Thunderbolts, but this is like Thunderbolt Zemo where it's like, yeah, like if there was an evil version of the Avengers, like I could see you being the Captain America of that version, right? Like that's what he kind of is, is like, um, everything that's happening i might not be the strongest or the fastest but i am the one who's thought about this the most so we can end up in a gunfight and i'm gonna be the one who steals a car to like you know get you away at the end of it right um yeah like i don't even know i don't know what to think about zemo from this only because i felt like in civil war he was so cold and calculating Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, they kind of like gave him some warmth in a way that I was like, you're trying to make me like him, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I got a text from Scott Cox, um, when the first episode of this show dropped and he goes, he said, I hate Marvel. And I was like, okay, what happened? <laughs> he goes, I don't care about Bucky and Sam. They're going to make me care about Bucky and Sam, aren't they? I was like, yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Zemo, which is like we'd all kind of written him off as he was sort of an in-name only translation of a character. Um, and then we bring him back around in this. And it's like, oh, you, you're, you're going to make me like Zemo, aren't you? Like, you jerks. Right. I'd written him off as we were done with him and we kind of screwed it up and we'll never talk about it again. But no, no, you're going to bring him back. Uh, and I'm so glad you said the word Thunderbolts. Because I don't know if Marvel's intending to to key this up, but oh my god, dude! Zemo on the raft with presumably Abomination and Justin Hammer and being ruled over by General Thunderbolt Ross. Like, oh my god, give me that show or movie right now! Right? You can even call it Dark Avengers. I don't care. Just give it to me. I, like that. The the potential we have in that storyline of, I, I think we've proven now with Zemo and then the reaction to Zemo, you know, fans demanding an hour long cut of Zemo doing an awkward white man dance. Yeah. Um, when you bring back villains and give us, you know, give us a second shot at them. We really, really like it. You've still got a whole raft full of villains who you didn't kill off in phase two, bring them back. Also, 
I'm just going to throw out there. I know that, that, you know, I want, I would like to see some Thunderbolts, but in the first episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we did get one step closer to my dream, which is Black Avengers, right? So we had a great moment where it was Sam uh, and Rhodey in the museum having a yep. chat. And yep. I was like, look, man, you just, <laughs> you give me like three other people and they just look together at the screen at the same time, like, bam, that's all I need. I don't even need a full movie. You could give me a scene, <laughs> you know, just, just a scene. I'd be super excited. Um, okay, we're going to sidetrack now. Our MCU Black <laughs> Avengers. You've got Rhodey, you've got Sam as Cap, you bring, what, Okoye in? Um, yes. Um, Shuri, if she ends up becoming Black Panther. Because uh, I still don't know what the hell we're doing with that movie. Um, I'm really wondering what we're doing with that movie. I'm yeah. like... I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so afraid. I, I am cautiously optimistic only in that I know that I know if, if nothing else, I think that Ryan Coogler and, and uh, Chadwick Boseman were close enough that this is going to honor that character and honor that person in a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then where does, how does it fit into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Um, if you're going to name another Black Panther, will it be Shuri? Will it be someone else? Um, you know, is it going to be a new character? I, I loved Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. And, you know, since they killed him off, I don't want them to like bring him back in some hackneyed way. Um, so I don't know where it's gonna go. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Whatever Ryan Coogler is getting paid is not enough right now. Yes, um, I do not envy his position in any way, shape, or form. There, there's no right move that's gonna make everybody happy with that. Um, did, did you read? I mean, his what he said about Chadwick Boseman after he passed away was just it. Uh, I was I was actually really choked up reading that because he was he he basically just kind of said like. You know, a lot of times we think about black figures um, in America and we, we think about them as our ancestors, even if they aren't related to us. And, you know, um, I have to understand that Chadwick is gone and he is one of the ancestors now. And they are there in a certain way to have, have left something for us to guide us in, a, in, in the future. And I was like, man, like, I'm just reading a magazine, OK? I don't need to cry today. <laughs> Shit, yeah, that's deep. Wow. Um, sorry, we were making um, uh, uh, Black Avengers. Of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Don. <laughs> You're getting deep on me. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we can use Luke Cage again now. I think our two-year gap uh, contractually is is up. Um, yeah. I would. Which, is it the wedding of uh, Storm and T'Challa, where they 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 first dropped that in the comics of. Luke Cage wanted to make the Black Avengers. I think so. I think that is it, actually. Okay. Um, I would, you know, uh, that's if 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 anybody from Marvel's listening right now, you know, <laughs> I don't have a lot of writing chops, but if you asked me <laughs> for cheap, we'll write that scene for you. Hell, I'd do that for free. Like if 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 I get to like be a character in the background as well, you know what I'm saying? Like in totally in just get to yeah just totally in but um i would love to see my culture come back oh my gosh yes (laughs) yes (laughs) yes um one of the guys who played um the super soldiers and the flag smashers had Mm -hmm. been a humongous captain america fan i didn't catch his name i just saw i happened to see it on twitter but he was a big captain america fan he's the um 
he's got a he's got a beard. He's the buff Asian dude amongst the uh, oh, amongst okay. Black Smashers. And he's a big Cast America fan. And one of the guys from Props like figured it out. And he's like, oh, you got to get a picture with the shield. And he's like, what? Uh, so I, just, <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. Like just as a, um, as a total fan, I, I would just like freak out if that were to happen. But I would, I would enjoy seeing Mike Coulter come back as Luke Cage. Yes. I really enjoyed his time. Um, the Luke Cage show, well, all the Netflix Marvel shows had some issues there. I actually haven't finished uh, I guess I didn't watch that last season of Daredevil, nor did I watch that last season of The Punisher. Um, so maybe I'll do those at some point. Skip over this Punisher. Summer. Yeah. Skip it. Yeah. You're not missing anything. I heard that Daredevil season three was pretty good. I thought two was just so weak. I didn't want to come back. Um, but I, I, I should I should give that its last shot. You know, I guess once I figured out they weren't going to go any farther, I was like, well, I'll leave this alone. Yeah, it kind of de-incentivizes you to watch. It's like, oh, it's it's yeah. but to, no, hopefully uh, the problem with those shows were not the casting. So uh, if if they decide to bring those characters back, I really think they should bring back those actors too. Mike Coulter was fantastic as Luke Cage. Um, yeah, definitely do that. But so look, we 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 took time out of the three-hour end game to have our girl power shot, where all of our uh, MCU heroes except the OG uh black widow all you know buddied up for a big shot so marvel black avengers man make it happen yeah like give us you know we've got a good setup right oh we could bring in like monica could be in this oh shit yeah we we left off monica of course she said i forgot she was there yeah I guess there's not anybody else that's in right now, but I maybe yeah. I said, do, do you wait till you work the X Men back in so we can have Storm in there? Yeah, I mean, if 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 we work the X Men back in, I mean, I know that our last our last episode together, I know you were like, just leave them alone, just leave the <laughs> X Men out, just leave them alone, we're done. <laughs> um, since then I have watched uh, Dark Phoenix. That's sure a nothing movie wow. you know i talk about going out on a whimper sorry i'm getting way off topic now <laughs> not you know well you know me i haven't watched any of the x-men films what logan i watched that one and i haven't watched apocalypse or dark phoenix and i don't plan on doing so um uh, yeah Whew. um it was I one of those up- like I, I hadn't watched it it was on hbo max and i was like I got two hours to do nothing. Let's just put this on. Let's just see. It can't possibly be as bad as people said it was. And it's, it's not necessarily bad. It's just like, holy shit, that is a boring movie. Uh, there's nothing in that movie we haven't already seen or done before. Um, it just, it's such a step backwards. And it's sort of like, this was like, okay, wow. Like you're, you're franchising from going full circle from like uh, 99, 2000, the first movie being like, oh, look, you can do comic book superheroes and make them cool and realistic. And, and, you know, almost 20 years later and we're to this point, it's like, wow, you guys wasted that. But whatever. we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I guess I feel it's the same way about the X-Men films that I do. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a little while. So, I, you know, I watched the Justice League Snyder Cut and I have feelings on it as well. But I think that... That's a whole it, show, man. Yeah, that's what it is. It is. But I think that in both of those realms, um, you know, the MCU's done too good of a job of giving me all kinds of 
different parts of stories. You know, they've, they've done that thing that, they, that you get with Marvel Legends action figures, right? If you buy this whole set, you actually get all of the pieces for another figure. <laughs> the build a figure, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and, and that's how the Avengers films are made. That's how all of these things are done. Like, you've introduced me to all these characters, and then you give me this amalgamation. And the MCU, not the MCU, the, the X-Men-verse, uh, glad that it's over at this point, just never gave that time um, and so when you try to do something where all of these characters are going to have such importance, you just can't do it. You know, like, I don't even know, like, I love Jean Grey. I don't know who Jean Grey is in this, this X-Men version, right? I'm not going to sit out and watch that movie and then feel something about a dark Phoenix. Like I already know, I know what the story is. I've read it dozens of times. I'm a Cyclops fan, which is weird. So like, I understand that, uh, <laughs> you're just not going to give me what I want. And so I don't want to sit out and watch it. Wait, Don, we're friends. We've been friends for a long time. <laughs> but I did not know until this moment that you were also a Cyclops fan. And I feel <laughs> like that's why we're friends, Don. <laughs> Man. They did finally get his visor right for a movie. Oh, that's good. His visor in Dark Phoenix looks very good. Uh, I will say that. Um, the one nice thing I'll say about that movie. <clears throat> but um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Just trying to get that we, we got on the Black Avengers. And... and that's went off from something. So, um... What haven't we talked about? Uh, oh, speaking of your Build-A-Figure theory for Marvel, um, did we just see the new Falcon? Uh, yeah. Um, was he yeah. Torres, uh, Joaquin Torres from the comics. Um, the last shot we see him in, he's got Sam's wings. They're a little beat up, but... I mean, why not, right? Like, give us, give us that character. Um, that's actually something... So I fell off of comic book reading for a few years. And so that's why I picked up Marvel Unlimited. So this is going to be one of my things as well as to like catch up on some of the stories I kind of missed out on. Um, Cause I read a lot of like the, the, the Captain America, Sam Wilson stuff, but I want to go back and like, give it that, you know, it was like my last, okay guys, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to close out my holds folder. I've just been really behind. Um, and I kind of like read them, you know, like in between classes and things of that sort. And so, I don't remember this character super well, but like I was like, oh, like, hey, will they actually introduce him in the future? Um, I think that would be neat. Again, it's it's that the seed is planted. You know, they can choose to follow that storyline or not. We we know it was announced like the day after this episode, uh, or not even it was the same day. It was like a few hours after the episode, last episode aired, that they they are going with a uh, Captain America four. And I believe two of the head writers of the series are working on the script for that. So it's entirely possible we'll see uh, a new Falcon in that movie. <clears throat> but it's it, we could also not circle back around to that for another couple of years. And it, it's the seeds there. You can you can pick it up and run with it if you want. Uh, and, and that's what Marvel does so well. Yeah. Absolutely. Stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was very minor. It was, you know, if you didn't know from the comics, then you wouldn't read anything into that. But if you do know from the comics, it's like, oh, hey, that's that we did some potential there. We could we could grow that into a thing. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I mean, there's a ton I could talk about. The show was so good. The action yeah. was fantastic. Um, I think the the Falcon in the um, first episode, the the Canyon rescue and the big fight yeah. on the semi trucks are as good as anything from the Marvel movies. Um, Sharon's back, but now she's a bad guy in the worst kept reveal of any show ever. 
um, yeah. that she's really the power broker. And I, I know they had to re-edit this this story um, because of production delays and, and you know COVID and all that stuff. And I'm really curious if she wasn't supposed to be, and we just changed it in the end, uh, and you know reshot a couple scenes. But uh, yeah, did anyone not see that coming? Yeah, I think everybody was in on that, right? Like, you, um, somebody else in my class said it best. It was like, you don't just, you know, finish a gunfight and somebody picks you up in like a limo if you're not the power broker, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can see, because rewatching the show with that knowledge, I'm like, okay, a lot of her actions don't really make sense. And she brought Sam and Bucky to the guy that cracked the code on remaking super soldier serum was Zemo in tow, knowing how much Zemo hates super soldiers. And she's surprised that he put a bolt to the guy's head. Right. What did you think was going to happen? Sharon? Like it, it, her actions are kind of wonky with that knowledge. I think it was a very, that's what's what it wouldn't surprise me if that wasn't the original idea. And we kind of just pivoted to it. Um, but Gee. it does potentially set up. We know there's an Armor Wars show coming featuring right. um, um, Rhodey. And she's now in position where she would have access to all kinds of government military tech and stuff. And if we're still working on making super soldiers, I got to imagine the military is still working on making Iron Man armor like War Machine. So right. maybe Power Broker Sharon is like the big bad of Armor Wars. If it turns out she's selling off the technology as power broker that Rhodey has to go round up. My other question is, you know, if we're going to have a secret invasion show and we've been introduced to Skrulls, Mm -hmm. should we be thinking about Skrulls already? (sighs) I mean... Here's the deal. And until Secret Invasion comes out, and probably afterward, every show, every movie, there's going to be a blank is really a scroll theory. Um, so, yeah, I guess we should be thinking about it. But I really, really thought Secret Invasion would be the next Avengers movie. Like the next big, yeah. maybe phase five, everyone gets, you know, we put the new team together kind of movie. Uh, doing it as a show kind of through our. Uh, uh, threw me for a loop as far as trying to guess what Marvel's doing. Um, I, but I'm hoping that we kind of end, see, like, it, this is just me just going off. I'm hoping that Secret Invasion kind of ends like a horror movie does, where it's just like, ah, but there's still some scrolls. Like, now you're introduced to this concept. So when we do it in a movie, you're looking for it, but you don't necessarily know where you're going to find it. Yeah. Um, the thing I wanted from a secret wars and the thing that I really had, the reason I really had it pegged as being the next movie is there's an amazing moment. in I think it's like the third issue, uh, where a scroll ship crashes in, I think it's central park. The Avengers go to intercept the doors open and out walks like a dozen characters yeah. that we all thought were dead. And their immediate jump is, oh, they're scrolls. And they're like, no, 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 we're not. We're the real us. Who? It, it's a great moment of, and the one that stands out for me is, is Mockingbird yeah. comes back because uh, I'm a big Hawkeye fan, and it it throws it's it's such a, a bomb of like, no, we're the real us, the people you knew and thought were dead or 
scrolls and have been for years um that was a huge bombshell moment and i really really thought in you know we'll make you know avengers secret invasion it'll be you know we're putting the new team together and we'll have a version of that where uh, a scroll ship lands somewhere the door opens and out walks steve or tony or uh, natasha or you know one of the avengers we know is dead right uh, and be like, whoa, what? And then because you get that big reveal of and, and the, the problem with that, though, is it's the same problem that Battlestar Galactica fell into with who were the Cylons is when you retroactively go back and figure, OK, the one we thought was real was really a scroll. How long were they a scroll and how many of their actions uh, that we loved at the time are now retroactively a scroll pretending to be them? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't want to see that, you know, the cap at the end of uh, end game with Mjolnir was really a scroll that right. kind of kills cap uh, yeah. and th- oh, that's, yeah. that's such a defining moment for him to go back on that would be kind of dumb um, so it, it's hard to balance that but I really thought we'd build up to something like that uh, in a movie form I mean, maybe they still will in the series I don't know because as far as Marvel Studios is concerned there's no difference between shows and movies as far as who can be in what and what stories we're telling so I don't know um, I had a point. I think I made it. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't. I don't know what's coming down the road with Secret Wars, man. Uh, but yes, until we're told otherwise, just assume that everyone is a scroll in secret. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's 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 my assumption. Is is that I'm gonna meet some scrolls and I just gotta try to figure out who they are. Um. I mean, I I still remember when that comic book series was coming out. Um, I reread through all of New Avengers uh, to be like, I think this person's a scroll. This person's a scroll. Um, so I, I think that kind of like gives some rewatchability at times. But I don't. I, I hope that they don't go back to anything pre-Endgame to make anybody a scroll. But yeah. I feel like anything post-Endgame is is fair game, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's. There's a lot coming down the road. I don't quite know what Marvel has planned, but that's okay because I'm sure Kevin Feige does, and that's what really matters. Yeah, that's um, true. But there's one final question I want to end the show on today. Uh, unless there's something else you want to jump onto, I don't know if I, I think we've talked about everything I had written out to yeah. talk about. Um, so there's one major question that this show failed to answer. And I kind of thought we'd get uh, a little bit of an answer, at least maybe like a, a post credit stinger or something. Where is Steve? Last time we saw him, he's old man, Steve, and he's given over his shield and he's had this life in this alternate timeline and cool. When trailers for this came out, there's a scene in it's the beginning of the first episode where we see Sam putting on a suit. <coughs> Everyone was like, oh, I'll bet we'll start this with the funeral for Steve. And that yeah. Steve is really gone now. That turned out not to be true. Steve, Sam was just getting ready to give the shield over to the uh, Smithsonian. And then there's the great joke in the first episode where they're talking about conspiracy theories on the internet. And, and like, you know, hey, did you... is Steve and a secret base on the moon. Did 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 you fly in there, Falcon? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I really thought, uh, and there were two scenarios in my head that you know, get end of the last episode, credits are done, we'll get a end credit stinger 
where the first scenario was we'll see you know uh, a nice room with like a crackling fire and we'll pan back and someone's in a nice chair reading a big book and we'll pan back and oh look at steve he's somewhere in a cabin reading a book because that's apparently where you go when you're uh an mcu character who's retired now you just go to a cabin in the woods somewhere um and then we'll keep pulling back like out through the window of the cabin and, and we'll keep pulling back and reveal he's really on the moon <laughs> that was a been shield cool, yeah. base on the moon and that's where steve's hanging out um because that you know pay off that joke uh, the other one that I really wanted to see, um, but I, I gate uh, what we got uh, satisfied me. But uh, what I really wanted was we cut back to Isaiah Bradley's house. There's the knock on the door. Uh, Eli answers, and in the reflection on the glass, we see old man Steve. Yeah. Uh, and, and Isaiah walks up and he just says, "I think we need, to, or I think it's time we met, or we need to talk, or something to that effect." Of, of the two of them meeting, um, that would have been awesome. We didn't get either one of those. Fine, whatever, cool. Where is Steve? Is he dead? Is he in a superhero retirement home somewhere? Where is he? Like, that's what's frustrating me is is we don't know what's going on with Steve. They keep talking about him being gone, but is he really gone? Yeah, I mean, did he just, you know, I mean, I, I guess he had to go back in time and live a life of obscurity. And so, you know, um, he did the uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow thing, right? Where he grows a mustache and changes his name. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, he's done. Right. So um, I don't know. Right. Like that's my, my, my assumption is, is that he somehow has, you know, created a different life for himself and nobody really knows this alias. And he's just going to kind of live out his days, you know, like doing stuff. I've enjoyed the memes where it's been like, you know, Captain America living through these time periods. And it's just like uh, Peggy being like, oh, my God, they, they they shot JFK. And he's like, oh, yeah, didn't know that was going to happen. You know, uh, it's 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 a huge lingering question. And, and I hopefully they have something planned for the answer, because uh, the longer you tease it out, the 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 more amazing it's going to have to be to be satisfying. Um and uh, did he go back to his alternate timeline? Uh, just, just give us an answer. Just let us know. And yeah, I'm sure dude. part of that is is Marvel doesn't know if they're done with him or not. We keep hearing rumors of Chris Evans coming back for a cameo in something. And if you believe the internet, it's anything from he'll be back in Captain America 4 to he's going to show up in um, Doctor Strange 2 in one of the alternate realities as Evil Hydra Cap. Uh, there's all kinds of speculation rumors about, and again, I want to stress at the time of this recording, every news bit you hear about Chris Evans coming back as Captain America is a rumor. It is not confirmed in any way, shape or form. Uh, don't believe what you read on the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh, am I supposed to just mourn and pretend he's dead? What's, what's really going on with Steve, you know? Cause if, if he really is dead, uh, wow, you kind of shortchanged him, man. Iron Man got a whole funeral and shit. Steve got nothing. Um, you know, give us, yeah, something. right. Yeah. Give us a, give us a goodbye. We would enjoy that. I agree. Cause again, until we, as fans, until we get that scene of no, he's gone and put him to rest and we're going to mourn him. Fans aren't going to let him go. We're going to be waiting for Steve to show up somewhere. 
and we're not yeah. going to let that go. So that, you know, that that's why when the character dies off, you got the, uh, to recognize it and give it a moment and let the characters in that universe recognize that this has happened and, and, and mourn and deal with it and move on so the fans can. Otherwise, we're just going to keep expecting them to show up somewhere because it's a yeah. comic book universe. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, my thought right now is is that he's actually this is this is t- total BS by the way, but that he's yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> he's leading. You remember you remember Secret Avengers? Yes. Right? He's leading a Secret Avengers team uh, with. He's got a base on the moon, and you know they're because uh, <laughs> there's a there's an arc there where it's like Cap, Beast. Uh, um, why can't I think of her name? Emma Frost, uh, and like a few other like random characters. I think Shang Chi, and like they all go to fight like somebody on Mars. So that's what Cap is doing is is that he's about to get those characters together to uh, fight some evil Martians. Just so you know, uh, what's coming. Okay, I'll take that answer. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> <clears throat> uh, well, one last tidbit and we're going to shift gears from Marvel to DC um your thoughts on Falcon Winter Soldier um let us know what you guys think about that and we're gonna we're gonna move on uh for now because some news dropped and Don there's only maybe one other person on the planet who I would want to talk to about this news uh because uh, I don't know how you are but in my mind certain characters are inextricably linked to certain people in my life Yep. I will never think of Hawkeye and not think of Ryan Kemp. Uh, I will never think Captain America and not think you. Uh, and then another character from a different universe, uh, Green Lantern, will always conjure images in my mind of you, Michael Guy, and Tyler Jones. Um, yes. And we got some juicy Green Lantern news to talk about this week. Um, I forgot this was even happening. Yeah, me too. Uh, HBO Max is moving ahead with their Green Lantern series, uh, which the last time I remember hearing about Green Lantern was Jeff Johns writing a Green Lantern core movie. Um, so I guess this is what that is now. Um, but there's some casting news. Uh, Finn Whitrock has been cast as Green Lantern and probably not the one you're expecting. Uh, he is playing Guy Gardner as the 1980s version of of Green Lantern, because as this article confirmed, the story of this series will cover multiple eras. And the two names they dropped is Guy Gardner will be our Green Lantern from the 80s. And they're going to apparently make him just like a big 80s action star. The other time period and Green Lantern, they mentioned by name in this article that threw me for a bit of a loop. 1941 with Alan Scott who they correctly credit as the first Green Lantern. Yeah. But if you know anything about the Green Lantern series, he's not at all connected to the Green Lantern core. Right. So, huh. Uh, Don, care to wildly speculate? Man, uh, you know, something that I do is, you just, you telling me that Alan Scott news, I didn't even know. Um Something that I started doing for myself a few years ago is, especially when it's something that's completely new, I don't read any of the articles about it. I want to go in like fresh as possible so that when I sit down and watch it, I'm just like, whoa, they did that in the show? Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about that. 
that's just going to be wild, though. And especially, like, Guy Gardner and Alan Scott are just not the characters, you know, that I think of when I go Green Lantern. I mean, obviously, like, Hal Jordan, um, who is, like, sort of an everyman, right? They kind of give him a different personality depending on the era that you see him um, as, as, as Green Lantern. Um, and then, like, Kyle Rayner is very much like the – to me is, like, the 90s and early 2000s Green Lantern of, like – uh, you know, using that imagination power as best as possible. Um, and then even past that, you know, um, how do I even <laughs> like John Stewart Green Lantern is still yeah. like even another Green Lantern that like I would, these are like, to me, I go John Stewart, Hal Jordan, Kyle Rayner is like my Green Lanterns. And so the fact that we're starting with Guy, Guy Gardner and Alan Scott is just like, I don't know what this show's gonna do, right? Like, uh, Guy Gardner is, if you know the character, is like very much like a John Walker esque. If you wanted to make a comparison, right? Like, he's he's the asshole of the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, he's, absolutely. <laughs> he's an asshole, but he's our asshole, right? Um, and so I think introducing that character. In this, like, I'm then like, okay, so which other of the Green Lanterns are we going to see? Like, do we have Kilowog? Is Kilowog going to put Guy Gardner in his place over and over again, as should be? Right? Like, are <laughs> we going to have... Loser. Right? Yeah. Are we going to have... Um, who are some of my other favorites? It's been a long time for me with the Green Lantern Corps. Like, Tomar Ray, Tomar 2. Yeah. Jack and Chance. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, I mean, in recent years, Marvel's introduced two new human Green Lantern characters. Um, one of which was actually a, I forget her name. She started as an alternate universe evil Green Lantern, which is a power ring. Um, and then ended up becoming, sorry, Sadie's very upset about that. Uh, ended up becoming Green Lantern in the proper universe because she got stuck here. Um, I, I love the notion of each lantern sort of being assigned in era, um, yeah. because like you said, like, yeah, certain lanterns are kind of a, very much a product of their time. And like, yeah, Guy Gardner is an eighties action guy. I can see that. Uh, if you're going to do, um, uh, like, you know, a golden age, I guess you would do Hal, uh, Hal Jordan. Yeah. Um, I guess, sorry, silver age, not golden age. Um, so yeah, if you're gonna do Kyle Rayner in the '90s, like yeah, that makes sense because that character outside of that time period is a little janky. Um, but yeah, so many possibilities for this, and and I'm the opposite of you. Um, apparently, I like to spoil the shit out of everything I watch before I watch it. <laughs> um, that's not true. I I I, I avoid. Uh, I want to know a little bit, and then I don't want to know anything else. Um, mm. So I lifted some of the behind the scenes stuff. This is being executive produced by some names you'll probably recognize. Greg Berlanti and Mark Guggenheim. Okay. Both behind the Arrowverse on CW. Yeah. And Seth Graham Smith, um, who's a name you'll probably recognize from... Um, oh, crap. That zombie movie. I forgot the name of already. Uh, and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Huh. Okay. So some serious credit behind that and i'm sure if i would that's what the the article mentioned by name uh 
at somewhere, I'm sure we're going to see Jeff Johns's name on this as a writer, producer, something creative consultant, because arguably no one person has put uh, as much of a creative stamp on a character as Jeff Johns and Green Lantern. Absolutely. Uh, so I don't know where this is going, um, but I love every bit of news that's trickling out about it. Uh, and I love the idea that we're doing it as a series, not a movie, because then we can really take advantage of having multiple lanterns telling lots of different stories. Even, you know, if it, if this is like an episodic kind of thing where like each episode is a different lantern and telling their story, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it's such a huge universe. I think it's better suited as a show than a film. Um, it, I don't know, man. It's a... Uh, it's wild. I'm with you. Like, uh, if anything, <laughs> like they're going to do a Green Lantern TV show. Guess the first two lanterns we're going to name. I would not have picked either one of those two. Absolutely not. And I, but I think it it, it kind of works in a way that um, Alan Scott. Let's hope I mean, Alan Scott is like. His, I'm surprised that they're going to use Alan Scott because I really think I associate him with like this. Like he's got his own magic Green Lantern ring that's not really associated with the core. Um, but he has his own personality in a way that really kind of like lends itself to get, you know, like if we somehow ended up with like a detective style Green Lantern is what I really kind of give Alan Scott. I'm so in for an episode of that. Um, or I, I, I can honestly watch a series of that. As soon as I imagined it, I was like, yeah, OK, I'm totally into this, especially from HBO, who I think does a better job with suspense at times than some some other television um, <laughs> I, I think for me, a, a lot of my like love for the Green Lanterns comes from like the Sinestro Corps War, and from uh, I guess the was it Darkest the, Night, Darkest Night, yeah, 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 and like, um, well, even before then when they had when they brought in like all of the different you know like the Blue Lanterns and yeah, all, you know, um, was that the War of Light? Is that what that one was before the Black Lanterns? Yes, that sounds right. Um, I, I mean, I love all of that stuff and all of those conflicts and all of those different interpretations, you know, because like willpower being this emotion that's strong enough to like wield, um, energy is such a cool thing when you think about like how the different characters really approach that, right? Like for Guy Gardner is, it is almost this like stubborn, I'm the best cause I'm the best. Um, and that's just how it's going to be like almost, in my imagination right now, it's what if Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai became a Green Lantern <laughs> is who Guy Gardner is. In God, this show. now I just want that show. Thanks, Don. <laughs> like that's that's who I think of as Guy Gardner in the 80s. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh. What what really piques my interest, like you said, Alan Scott is the golden age version of Green Lantern, who was, quick history lesson, in the 50s and 60s, DC started revamping a lot of his older characters uh, that were out of fashion and gave them all a, sort of a sci-fi twist because that is what was popular. So um, Flash uh, becomes, uh, um, um, wow, I forgot everyone's name now. Um he goes from Golden Age Flash to Silver Age Flash, and uh, it's no longer a, a secret formula uh, hard water vapor or whatever it was. It, right. It's a 
struck by lightning and, and doused with chemicals, and uh, that becomes Barry Allen. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Barry Allen becomes our Flash. Um, and then with Green Lantern, Alan Scott was this guy who found a magic meteor rock, uh, not to be confused with Meteor Man, which is a whole different episode. Um, <laughs> I love that movie. And, and fashions a ring out of it and finds that the meteor has some kind of like magical green energy uh, and, and you know, puts on a cape and a costume and fights crime. Um, and, and then they revamp that in the gold or sorry, Silver Age. And completely redid the entire character. Of the ring is now magical. It's, it's not magical. It's alien technology. There's an entire core of Green Lanterns. They're space cops, basically. Uh, so while those two characters have existed in the same comics at the same time before, uh, post-Infinite Crisis, they both existed in the same universe. Um, but Alan Scott's powers have no connection to the Green Lantern core. Uh, literally they're in name only Green Lantern. So that's going to be really interesting to play up. Uh, and what really piques my interest is shooting right now is the Black Adam movie. Finally, after like over a decade of The Rock talking about it, we're actually making it now. Um, and in case you missed it, the antagonists, I won't call them bad guys, the antagonists in Black Adam is the JSA. We're getting oh. Dr. Fate Adam Smasher. Uh, I think there's two others they've announced, but I can't remember who. Um, but Alan Scott is one of the founding members of the JSA. Now, I have no idea what state of connectivity the DC movies have anymore at all. I don't know, I don't know who, what's canon, what's not, what we're following, what we're dropping. But it's entirely possible that this Alan Scott may or may not have something to do with the JSA for that movie. I don't know. I'm 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 being a fanboy here, but that's what really intrigues me about that character. So, A, I just like went ahead and like looked at some things cuz I haven't I really haven't uh, looked at news of the Black Adam film because I really took this one as I'll believe this when my butt is in the theater because the rock has been talking about it for as long as I can think about. So I was like, yep. that movie's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, what Aldous Hodge is playing Hawkman. Hawkman, um, that's yeah. There we go. We got Hawkman. Pierce Brosnan's playing Doctor Fate, which like I'm into that casting. I know, right? Like I'm way into that. Like I didn't know that I was re- into that casting until I just read that right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I well, I really hope that DC starts to connect these. Um, it's it's always been a shame to me that they've kind of like hidden away their cw verse um because uh, we've talked about this my wife is watching smallville right now mm-hmm. and uh, as much as smallville has like lots of issues i think that smallville like really gives you just this appreciation for dc and it's it's characters in a way that like if you didn't like read comic books or like have you know a table where you sit at denny's and talk about comic books for hours you might not have <laughs> You might not have that same appreciation. And instead, it's kind of like, oh, I love young Clark and young Arthur Curry's in this show. Um, you know, there's a young, I don't remember if it's Barry Allen or if it's Wally West. I think they went, with, they went Bart Allen. which they went, Yes, that's what they did. That's what they did. Um, it's, it's fun in that way. And then they've had such a rich uh, television series that at this point, it's just like, just connect the two. Like, that's what we want. It's what we need. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it gives you, it lends so much to your 
to your movies at times when you have a, just a little piece of backstory that you get some connectivity with. Um, <laughs> I think I, in totally. in more recent years, DC's done a great job of connecting their universe, but not necessarily relying on that connection. Um, Shazam references Batman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and there's a sort of Superman cameo, but the yeah. story doesn't hinge on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's there as as you know, it's it sprinkles on the the, uh, the on your ice cream sundae. Uh, it's there. It helps pepper the universe with some spice and some flavor, but the story doesn't hinge on it. Um, Aquaman is kind of the same way. Like it's in that universe. It doesn't contradict anything that came before. There's a couple lines of dialogue that reference uh, the the Justice League movie um, that was canon at the time. I don't know which version of Justice League is canon anymore. Um, no one but does. The, yeah. <laughs> But the movie does not hinge on any of that. It is its own story. Uh, it just it, it, featuring that character in his world, but it it does not contradict anything. So they've they've gone down this path of yeah, we'll keep them connected. Um, they don't necessarily have to have to hinge on everyone. You know, we don't have to have Wonder Woman walking through a scene in Aquaman to to, to get that they're in the same universe. Um, I think that's the way to keep going is let the characters stand on their own, let the characters be their own, but, but also acknowledge they're all in the same world. Uh, again, you don't, I don't, I don't expect to see, um, I don't know. I'm, uh, I don't expect to see cyborg pop up in, in black Adam for a multitude yeah. of reasons. Um, but like, again, you, you can acknowledge, I mean, even, even the first Shazam movie sort of, acknowledges black adam without name dropping black adam like if you know black adam in his story you'll get there's a couple of references to him right um but the story doesn't hinge on that so they're in a weird place and i know they've changed executives and studio heads so many times now um it's all kind of a patchwork um and their current sort of mantra seems to be just make the best movie we can with that character and we'll worry about connecting them all later Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what's going on. The Batman is a standalone thing. Uh, Joker is a standalone thing in its own universe. The Snyder Cut is the Snyder Cut. It's off kind of in left field by itself, and we don't know what's going on with that. We still don't know what's happening with is Henry Cavill still Superman or not. We don't know. Uh, we know J.J. Abrams and Ta-Nehisi Coates are working on a new Superman movie, but is that a are are we dropping Henry Cavill? Are we done with that? And we're rebooting the character. Is this going to be sort of like a Joker or the Batman in its its black Superman in its own unconnected universe to the rest of the DC stuff? I don't know what's going on with DC. I don't know if DC knows what's going on with DC, but there's some potential cool story threads to tie together there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited either way. I mean, I'll watch some things as long as they've, as long as the reviews aren't like abysmal, I'm in, you know? Yeah. Um, there's also potential that we get Green Lantern in the Arrowverse finally. Um, we know, um, and I, again, forgetting actors' names, um, John Diggle from the Arrowverse. Um, I can't remember the actor's real name. Uh, he's coming back to direct a few episodes of, uh, I think Supergirl and Superman and Lois and maybe the flash. Okay. <clears throat> and they confirmed that John Diggle will appear in some of those episodes. And if you remember from the end of arrow, a thing crash landed in his lawn and he picked up a box and opened it and this green light washed over him. 
that's the last time we saw John Diggle. Yeah, I mean, if if we're not steering into that, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, we we may or may not finally be getting John Diggle as Green Lantern. I think I would enjoy that. Yeah. I uh, I guess I should go back. I didn't finish out Arrow, so I didn't watch the last season. You uh, son of a... no, that's fine. <laughs> that, there's there's no show more up and down than Arrow. Because <laughs> I really what Adrian Chase. That season I loved because I had kind of fallen off. Watched that season, and Alyssa and I, we were like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get back into Arrow. We're gonna get back into the Flash." And so I just haven't. I've actually the first time I picked up a CW show again was really um, Superman and Lois came on, and Alyssa was in the middle of Smallville, and I was like, "I want to watch this." I'm a Superman fan, you know. I, I, up until this last Christmas, I've had a Superman wallet for the last ten years. Um, so I, I wanted to get back to that. So I may start watching the CW shows again. Cause I think that, um, they have a formula, but I think that they're kind of like adding to it now, which I'm, I'm excited to see. David Ramsey is the actor's name. I had to look it up. I felt bad. Um, no, uh, Superman and Lois has been really great so far. And, uh, they're in an interesting spot post infinite crisis where they've sort of reset their universe, but we haven't really explored the reset universe much yet. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, just wanted to throw in we're talking Green Lantern. We could finally be getting an Arrowverse Green Lantern. Yeah, I'd be into that. I'd, be into that. I'd watch that show. <laughs> and that's all that matters. So <laughs> with that, I, I believe that is our show as we come up on the two-hour mark. Um, yeah. So let us know uh, what do you think about our thoughts on uh, WandaVision and where that ended things. Uh, are you as excited as we are with the potential of a Green Lantern series? Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Is there something we didn't get to you want to hear us talk about? Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack in that show. Um, but Don, thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Uh, and we will absolutely do this again. Uh, hopefully sooner next time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for for coming and joining and adding your perspective to all these things. Uh, it's, it's valued. Uh, and I know, like I said, we may not be at a table at Denny's, but I could sit here and talk superheroes with you all day, buddy. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. Good chatting with you. You too. Well, until then, uh, thank you for listening. This has been your weekly Nerd Alert. <laughs>